This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Getting to Know Your Bible. I'm Ray Reynolds. Just wanted to share with you a few thoughts as we begin our podcast today. Uh, we are excited to present to you a series of lessons from the South Florida Avenue Church of Christ in Lakeland, Florida, where Billy was privileged to do a gospel meeting just a few years ago. We partner with them in allowing this to be on air and hope that it will encourage you in your spiritual walk with the Lord. We also want to encourage you, if you've not done it, to sign up for the free Bible correspondence course. This course is offered by mail. Uh, the phone number and the information will be presented to you here in just a moment, but we would be really pleased if you would sign up and enjoy this wonderful series to get to know your Bible just a little bit better. I'm going to pause now for some information about that course, and, all, and right after that, we'll have our message from Billy Lambert. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. The elders have asked that I address a theme for these few services, and the theme is remaining faithful, remaining faithful. I appreciate the scriptures that have just been read, I appreciate Brother reading those, and didn't we have a good song service, you have blessed with such a good, uh, good song leader here, and I'm looking forward to our working together throughout this meeting. I read about a man who had become discouraged with life. He decided that he was going to withdraw from society. He decided he would join a monastery and become a monk. So he went to apply for the position. And they said, well, yes, but we have some rules that you'll have to live by if you want to become a monk. And the rule is you can only say two words every ten years. He says, well, I'll, I'll, that's okay. He didn't like to talk much to people anyway. The first ten years rolled around. They called him into the office said, okay, you've been here 10 years. What are your two words? He said, bed hard. <laughs> 10 more years went by. They called him in the second time. They said, what two words do you want to say now? He said, food bad. The 30 years came around, the 30-year anniversary, he could say two more words. And they said, well, what words do you have for us today? He said, I quit. <laughs> they said, that's good because you've done nothing but complain since you've been here. 
There is not a person under the sound of my voice but what you're tempted. Our Lord himself was tempted. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, We have, an high priest, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was tempted in all points like as are we yet without sin. Jesus was tempted in every conceivable way, and yet Jesus Christ did not sin. We are tempted. In James, the first chapter, verse 13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But a man, when he is tempted, is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And lust, when it is conceived, bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. All of us are tempted. But we're not tempted by God. But God helps us for those temptations. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 reads, Let, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you, that is, allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So whatever temptation comes our way, God will help us and make a way for us to escape that temptation. I think if someone were to ask me, the greatest temptation facing the average Christian, I think I would respond by saying I believe the greatest temptation facing us it is the temptation to, to quit. Sometimes the cost seems so great, we may be tempted to quit. And there is a cost to being a Christian. In Luke 14 and 33, Jesus said, Who, Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. That's a big cost, isn't it? We need to count the cost. In Matthew 16 and 24, Christ said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. There's a cross to bear. That cross might seem so great that we get tempted to quit. So sometimes the pressures might seem so fierce that we're tempted to quit. Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and 10 made this statement about Demas, and I have no idea why Demas did this. But it said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved the present world. Maybe the, maybe the pressures of Paul being in prison were so great on him that he forsook Paul. In Acts the 20th chapter and verse 24, where Paul is addressing the Ephesian elders, he let them know that he was well aware of what awaited him when he got to, to uh, his destination. He would have afflictions. He would have imprisonments. 
But in verse 24, he said, none of those things move me. He was not moved by them. But sometimes the, the, the pressures are so fierce, we might be tempted to quit. Sometimes the demands might be so rigorous, we're tempted to quit. In John the 6th chapter, Jesus taught the disciples that he was bread come down from heaven. And that, and that he would give them, the, it was not like the manna that their fathers were given when they were in the wilderness. But he was going to give them bread to eat and they wouldn't be hungry anymore if they eat that bread. And later some of them began to say that's a hard saying, who can hear it? And in verse 66 the scripture says from that time many turned back and walked no more with him. The, the, uh, the demand seemed to be so rigorous for them. And sometimes the discouragements are so numerous that we might be tempted to quit. Our Lord in Luke 9, 62 said, No man having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Jeremiah was a great prophet of God. And oh, that we had men with a heart like Jeremiah today. Wouldn't it be wonderful? But when he saw God's people and the state they were in, it broke his heart. In Jeremiah 9 and 1, he said, Oh, that my head will waters, my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. And he became so discouraged, so discouraged, that in Jeremiah chapter 20 and 9, he, he decided to get out of the ministry. He said, I'm going to quit. And I'm not going to speak anymore in the name of the Lord. But he said, God's word was in my heart like a fire shut up in my bones. And I could not stay, meaning I could not keep quiet. Sometimes the, the, the discouragements are so numerous that we might be tempted to quit. And sometimes the burdens might be so heavy that we're tempted to quit. In all probability, in this audience today, there are people that have burdens in their lives. It might be the burdens, some burdens at home. It might be the burden of ill health. It could be the burden of rearing children. It could be some financial burdens. There are all kinds of burdens that people bear in life. And sometimes those burdens become so heavy that we might be tempted to quit. Paul wrote in Galatians 6 and 9, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Those burdens cannot be so heavy to cause us to quit. We must press on. And sometimes the fight is so heated, we might be tempted to quit. Folk, we're in a battle today. And I believe that we are in a war today for the survival of, of our lives and for the survival of our families today. Paul said we need to stand tall as soldiers. In 1 Timothy 6 and 12 he said, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 he told Timothy, Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But sometimes that fight is so heated we might be tempted to quit. And sometimes the race is so long, we might be tempted to quit. The Galatian brethren were very fickle people. So much so that in the first chapter of Galatians, Paul said, I marvel that, 
that you're so soon removed from him that calls you into the gospel of Christ unto another which is not another. But there be some that would trouble you and would pervert the gospel. They were fickle people and, and they had so quickly left the gospel. And in Galatians chapter 5 and 7 he said, You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? You see, all of us are faced with a temptation. But I believe the, 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 that there is a way to overcome the temptation to turn back on the Lord, to quit. And I believe there, there is encouragement for us in the Bible to press on and remain faithful to the Lord. And from the verses read from the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 32 and following are some things that I believe will help us overcome that temptation, the temptation to quit. The first thing I want to suggest is that we need to use our memory. And isn't it a wonderful thing to have a memory? Have you ever thought about how God blessed you with a memory? You say, well, Brother Lambert, mine's beginning to go. Well, that happens as we get a little older. It, it, it starts, it starts uh, moving around. I, I call it moving around. It's not going. But, but God blessed us with a memory. I, I heard about a young preacher who was going to have his first wedding ceremony. He didn't know what to do. So he went to the older preacher for advice. The older preacher advised him to memorize the ceremony. He said, what if I forget something? He said, well, just quote a, a scripture. Any scripture come to mind, be okay. Nobody will know the difference. They'll, they'll think it's part of the ceremony. And so he memorized the ceremony, and about five minutes into it, he, his mind went just as blank as it could be. He, he didn't know what to say next, but he remembered the advice, quote, scripture. And the first one that came to his mind was Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. <laughs> <laughs> now, isn't it wonderful that God gave us a memory if you didn't have a memory you wouldn't know who you are you wouldn't know why you're here you wouldn't know where to go when you get out of here you wouldn't even know where you live it's a blessing to have a memory and, there's some th and God wants us to use it for our benefit and our good so first of all remember the joy of your conversion can you remember that Notice down in verse number 32. Remember the former days in which after that you were illuminated. Have you been illuminated? If you are a Christian, you are. You've been illuminated. That is, you have been enlightened. Remember that. Remember the joy that filled your soul the day that you were baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you remember that? You know, salvation always brings joy. David in Psalms 51 verse 12 said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. In Luke chapter 15 where Jesus is talking about things lost and things found, in verse 7, Jesus said, There is joy in heaven. Joy where? In heaven. Over one sinner that repents, more than 99 just persons that don't need to repent. In verse 10, we're told that there is 
joy among the angels of God when a sinner repents. Heaven is full of joy because of the salvation of people's souls. There's a very familiar story to you in Acts 8 chapter when Philip was called to the chariot side of the man from Ethiopia. And he got up in the chariot with him. The Ethiopian invited him to sit up in the chariot with him. And he asked him who the prophet was talking about himself or some other man. And verse 35 says he began at the same scripture. Isaiah 53, the way our English Bibles are divided. He began at the same scripture and he preached unto them Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And, and, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And, the, and Philip said, If thou believest with all thou mayest, he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. My stopped long enough to say the only question that I would have a right to ask anyone prior to their baptism is, Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? That's all I've got a right to ask them. I do not have a right to ask them that they believe that God for Christ's sake has pardoned their sins. That's not the question. That's the wrong question. And this man said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down in the water. Both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And then when they were come up out of the water... The Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away that the eunuch saw him no more. And he, that is the man who was just baptized, went on his way doing what? Rejoicing. Why was he rejoicing? Because now he was a Christian. Now he was saved from his sins. Now he was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't put a smile on your face and a song in your heart and joy in your soul, I don't know what it would take to do it. Salvation always brings joy in our lives. But sometimes we forget, don't we? In 2 Peter 1 and 9, Peter said, He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten, what? Forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You see, if you're a Christian, you've been purged from your old sins. You've been washed from your old sins, cleansed from your old sins, forgiven of your old sins. But sometimes we forget what the Lord's done for us. And so may we remember what we were prior to our conversion. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 we're told what we were. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince, the power, the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. In other words, we were children of the devil. But prior to our conversion. And verse 12 even puts it in this language. That you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. We were without Christ, we were without God, and we were without hope. That's what we were. But we need to stop and remember what we became. And we became a new creature in the Lord Jesus Christ. Did we not? If any man be in Christ, he 
is a new creature. One version says a new creation. That's true. Are you in Jesus today? You see, when you become a Christian, you then have access to all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Where? In Christ. In Jesus Christ. One of those blessings is the blessing of salvation, 2 Timothy 2.10. You see, we need to remember what we now have. I'm a child of God. In Galatians 3.26, Paul wrote, For you are all the children of God. How, Paul? By faith. Where, Paul? In Christ Jesus. Well, Paul, if I'm a child of God by faith in Christ Jesus, then how do I get in Christ Jesus? Verse 27, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. A child of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. We should be called the children of God. Oh, what joy that ought to bring to our lives. Remember the joy of your conversion. And in order to overcome the temptation to quit, you need to remember the promise of heaven. Look at verse number 34. Knowing in yourselves, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. We need to remember the promise we have of heaven. Better days are coming. Better days are coming for us. Somebody says these are tough times. Well, better days are ahead. You know, in Philippians 1.23, Paul was at, a, he was at a crossroads. And he says, I am at a strait betwixt two, between two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Would you agree with Paul? I would. That to depart and be with Christ is far better. But, but in the next verse he said, nevertheless, to, to, stay, to, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. In other words, he said, I'd rather go on and be with the Lord, but he said, right now, it's necessary that I stay with you and help you and encourage you. You see, we, we need to remember that we've got better, better days that are coming. It's far better. And there is a reward ahead of us. I love Romans 18. As a matter of fact, I love the entire 8th chapter of Romans. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because it is a, I call it a mountain peak chapter in the Bible. It's a, it's a chapter of victory. The, the victories that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18, For I reckon, Paul must have been a southerner. That sounds almost southern, doesn't it? He said, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. What's Paul saying? Why, well, he said, if you were to think about some of the tough times that you've had in life, you just roll them all into one big ball. All of those tough times are nothing. When you began to compare all of those tough times with the glory that's going to be revealed for us on the other side. 
Let's don't ever lose focus of that. Let us remember the promise that we have of heaven. Do you really believe that heaven is real? I mean really believe it. I believe heaven is real with all of my heart. I believe it is real because man has always longed for a place like that. Savage, the civilized, the educated, the uneducated, all had some anticipation of a life to come. I believe it's real because you and I are not adapted to stay here. The very fact in this audience that some are young, some small children here, with their parents, and then some, some maybe a little older than those children, small, but their children. And then we have some that are older, much older. And the very fact that some of the people who at one time were here are no longer with you anymore is indicative of the truth that we don't stay here. You see, we have an outward man. That's what we see. This is the outward man. We have an inward man. And Paul said our outward man is decaying day by day. It's growing weaker day by day. But the inward man is being renewed and growing stronger day by day. So there's an outward man, there's an inward man, and one day the outward man is going to give way, isn't it? That's the reason they have funeral homes and they have cemeteries, because the outward man eventually is going to give way. And then we will be released from this prison house of clay and we will go to be with the Lord on the other side. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? I believe heaven is real because justice demands it. And God is a just God. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Yes. Genesis 18, 25. And our world is filled with so much injustice. But one day God's going to set the record straight, isn't he? He'll set the record straight. And he'll do what's right. And if God does what's right, and he will... He's going to punish those that have been evildoers. He'll reward those who weren't, that were faithful to him. But the basic reason I believe this is real is because that's what the Bible says. Jesus said, I'll go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Jesus is preparing our place for us. Remember the promise of heaven. In order to overcome the temptation to quit, remember that Jesus is coming back someday. Verse 37 says, Yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and not tarry. Now I'm aware of the fact that on that particular passage, some want to connect that, and they may be correct in it, with the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. I'm not certain that's the correct exegesis, or if that's a good word, I don't even know what that word means. Y'all know what it means? Tell me later. I don't, I'm not sure that's a good explanation of that passage. But one thing I know, based on other plain passages of Scripture, Jesus Christ will come again someday. I know that. 
Hebrews 9, 28 says, Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. He's coming back. I was in a meeting years ago. I was one of these that started on a Monday night, went through the following Sunday night, and, and I was leaving. I was driving home that night almost all the way across the state of Alabama. Here comes a man tearing out across the parking lot and knocks on my window. He said, You preached error tonight, Brother Lambert. You said Jesus is coming the second time. I said, Hebrews 9, 28. Unto him that look for him shall he appear the second time. I said there couldn't be a second time. If there hadn't been a first time, he's been here before and he's coming back again. But I can tell you we don't know when that's going to be, do we? Because Jesus himself said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour, knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. He, Jesus said, you don't know when the heaven and earth is going to pass away. The only one who knows when I'm coming back is the Father. Even the Son doesn't know when he's coming back. Mark 13, 32. So when you hear some preacher predict the second coming of Jesus Christ, just mark him off your list of listeners. Don't listen to it. Because he's not telling you the truth. But it doesn't mean he's not coming back. He'll come back unexpectedly. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, 2 Peter 3.10. He's coming. And we need to remember the promise of His coming. And it won't be long. He said, yet a little while. But you think how long it's been since that was written. But you see, a little while is not very long compared to eternity, is it? A little while. I can remember when my mother called me. I'll be there in a, I'll be there in a minute, Mama. Well, maybe 30 minutes. An hour goes by. I still hadn't done what Mama asked, and Mama explained to me what a minute meant later. I don't know when Jesus is coming. But I believe that if we will keep remembering Jesus, our Savior, is coming back for us, it will help us overcome the temptation to ever quit. I believe we can overcome the temptation to to quit by remembering what a disappointment we would be if we turned back on the Lord. Notice 38. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Can you imagine having lived an unfaithful life as a Christian when our Lord gets back. If we draw back, he will not have any play. You think what a disappointment we are to the Lord. Well, when you think about all that God has done for us, for, the, for our salvation, he gave the royal gem of heaven. He gave his son Jesus to die for us on the cross. He tasted of death for every man. Jesus came into this world and he lived and he died on the cross to purchase the church. 
He was raised from the dead to give us hope beyond the, beyond the grave. And then we turn back on God. No, no doubt we, we disappoint ourselves when we do that. Paul, Paul, Paul writing here says we're not of those that draw back under perdition. We're not like that. But you just imagine how what a disappointment you are to yourself when you quit. Have you ever gone to see some unfaithful member of the church and you knock on their door and they somewhat grudgingly invite you to come in? You can tell it's not really a warm reception, but they ask you to come in. And they bitch into you get after you've talked about the weather and the kids and all of those kinds of things that we talk about sometimes. You get down to business and you tell them we've been missing you at church. We've been missing you. And we just wanted to see is there something we can do to help you come back home. And they began to get a little bit defensive. Can I just give you my old homespun philosophy about why they do that? I think they feel so bad and they're so down on themselves and they are so disappointed in themselves that they've done that. They don't want you telling them. We must tell them. They think what a disappointment you are to your family if you were to quit. I think about your children, your grandchildren, if you were to quit. Think what a disappointment you'd be to the community that knows that you are a member of the Church of Christ and Lord's Day rolls around and they are on their way to some denominational body somewhere and they see your car still in the driveway Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. They're disappointed in you. You see, think about what a disappointment mostly that we would be to God if we quit. And in conclusion, we need to remember we can remain faithful. God has never, ever, ever given a command that we were not capable of carrying out. Listen to 1 Corinthians 4 and 2. More of it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That, that, that's not impossible. There was an army surgeon at the Battle of Gettysburg was riding his horse across the battlefield where soldiers were slain and wounded. And he saw one soldier in a ditch. And he could tell the soldier was talking, saying something. And he dismounted and he went over to where the soldier was. And he heard the soldier saying, Here, here. And he asked him, says, Son, why are you saying that? He said, They're calling the roll in heaven. 
and I'm answering to my name. But one of these days, the roll will be called up yonder. Will you answer to your name? There may be people in this audience today that need the prayers of this congregation. I mean, I don't know. I'm just a visitor here. I don't know. But if that be the case, I'd encourage you to come. It could be that you're so burdened down with problems in your life, you just need somebody to pray with you and to help you, not because of sin in your life, but because you just need somebody to help you and to encourage you. We want to do that because we don't want you to quit. It may be that you've never started, that you've never started that Christian race. You believe in Jesus, you know. You, you, you might even told Brother McAnally, you believe in Jesus. He might even told Brother McAnally, I've been thinking about being baptized. But you've not done it yet. Won't you start? I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. Please do that. And may I urge you, please, to pick up the phone, call for the Bible course, or if you prefer, take it online. But whatever you do, let's get involved in studying more about the gospel. Please, let's do that. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. It's my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.